tell you what, being a man today is an interesting journey. Um, I'm going to be talking basically on manhood today. And you might say, but I'm a female. Well, the good thing is that manhood actually corresponds in with womanhood because I'm pretty sure you're either all married or connected to, or you all have a father, or you all have sons or, or, or brothers, or you have some sort of male figure or, or relationship or connection to you. Manhood is really important, and today it is under attack in different realms, uh, all happening all over the place. Um, if you've been living under a rock for the last few years, um, you would have missed a couple of major significant pivotal points within our society. One is the um, homosexual um, uh, marriage rights, equality, um, although it's not really equality because if you stand against it or disagree with it, you get yeah, shot down pretty quick. Uh, and the other one that's really coming in is the whole transgender discussion, you know, the concept of changing your gender depends on how you feel. You may say, how, how does this, or even the abortion discussion at the moment, how does this sort of break down manhood? Well, it, it comes against identity. If you, if you don't know, there's so much challenge over what a man looks like, feels like, um, sounds like, acts like, dresses like, suppose what he's supposed to do. There's so many different things that have trans changed over now. It can get even confusing over what a man is supposed to be like. We're told we, we can't be chivalrous anymore, if you don't know what that means. The simple concept of opening a door for a lady now can get you in trouble. I've been roused at for opening a door for a female. Um, I got told I'm quite capable of opening my own door. I was like, right oh. But this is all breaking down the concept of what a man is. Now the backlash of the whole concept of the feminist movement that came out of about the 60s starts to break down what men are supposed to be like. We start taking the role of manhood out of the home we start taking the role of manhood out of society, and sooner or later we start breaking down to the principles that God actually put in place. There is an underlying principle that God put in place in a home, in a family, that a, that a home, a family, is actually supposed to be a husband and wife and children. Now, there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Right? So if, if your world is not like this, then um, you know, the great thing is that God gives grace to us all. But there is a breakdown within society of what family is, what a man is, what we're supposed to do, and everything like that goes with that. What, how am I supposed to discipline my child? I've even had looks, weird looks. I was talking about this with someone else. We get weird looks when you kiss your daughter. Or when you give them a hug or when you're holding your hands. People are unsure of how to make hold of that. Now, to me, I'm like... Well, you, that's something you're just going to have to get over because um, I'm going to kiss my daughter as long as she lets me because um, I know that time will be limited. But these are the things that challenge within society of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And as men, we can become a little bit confused. What am I supposed to do? What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Is it safer that I just don't do anything? And sometimes what happens is when we don't do anything because we're unsure of what we're allowed to do, it starts to break down the principles that are in place. My wife, if you haven't noticed, uh, my wife and I are very different. Not just in personality and character, but she's a female and I'm a male. And in the home, 
we have two different roles, completely different roles. My wife is the nurturer, I am not. Give you an example, my daughter was climbing the fence. And my comment was, oh look, we have a monkey. My wife was like, get down from there, you'll rip the skirt. <laughs> Just the sheer concept of, of how you see something is different. Uh, I read a book many years ago, which is really good, called The Barbarian Way. And in it was a story of his son had climbed up on the roof of the house. And uh, he came home, drove in the driveway, and he could see his son on the roof of the house. And his wife was being a little bit irate and trying to get her son down. Please come down, please come down, you know. And he, he, he walked up to her and said, jump, I'll catch you. Two different perspectives of how you see something. Neither one of them are wrong. Both are correct. And it just simply comes down to the different roles that we have within our families, within our societies, within our communities. I am a man. I don't make apologies for that. I see things very, very differently to women do. I need my wife. She helps me see that I'm being too, too either too rough or I'm being too insensitive. I know, it's, it's weird. Being, you, know, you would have thought that I'd be extremely sensitive, but I'm not. There's times when I wrestle with my son. My son loves to wrestle. And then I can throw him around the place as long as he lands on something soft. Right? And we, we wrestle and we throw around the, and we play, right? We do all the things. We play Nerf guns and we play lightsaber fights and you know, we play soccer and football and, and, and we do these things. This is what we do. Right? I can be rough with my son. There are some times when he realises that being rough with dad has, has points where I can get hurt. And that will change as he gets older. But that's the reality of it, right? Sometimes I forget that he's seven, seven. And these things take place. But with my daughter, I can't, I can't do the same thing. I can't throw her around the room like I can do with Zeph. I have to be a little bit more sensitive and I've used my wife as a sounding barrier and worked out exactly what I can do with Charlotte. There'll be times I'll be wrestling with Zeph and Charlotte will want in because she wants to be connected with her dad. And so I even straight away I have to re-trigger my brain on how on earth I'm going to wrestle with Charlotte like I do with Zeph. And it's different. Charlotte gets more tickles than, than Zeph. And Zeph gets, he gets held down. We have this thing that when he gets to the point of he gets he taps out, right? That's how we work it out. When I when I got Zeph in a, a hold, he, I've had enough. I'm done. Michelle, I can't do that. She will she'll cry straight up. She's more sensitive. She's more sensitive. She's more sweet. And I don't want to take that away from her. I don't want to break that. I don't want to take that out of her. I actually want to nurture her. At the same time, she still wants to have a connection with her dad. So it can be a juggling of how I'm supposed to be tough with my son and I also need to be tender with my daughter. But I also need to be tough and tender with Zeph just like I need to be tough and tender with Charlotte. There's times when I have to come, come at her and, 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 and discipline and correct her when she's not done something right 
And just because she's this sweet little girl doesn't mean she gets away with everything. It's important that I have this balance that even though they're completely different, I'm raising them up in the same concept. And as a man, that can be a challenge. And if you, if you, don't, if you have never had the blessing of having a boy and a girl, um, then sometimes it can be a bit hard to understand the concept. But if you've had that blessing of having a, a son and a daughter, you can see the vast difference. My, my, mom, uh, my mother had, had three boys. And the first thing my dad said to her, he says, you know what, this is what you do. Make sure you have a first aid kit. Make sure it's up to date. Make sure your first aid certificate's up to date. And then just tell them to go outside. And that's what we did. And we would, we would play and wrestle and, and fight and someone would come in and patched up and sent back out. But we have completely different roles. My wife is this nurturing person. She just likes to cuddle and, you know. But my son needs me to wrestle, but he also needs me to do something. He needs me to show what manhood is. And in a world where it's becoming, the line is becoming very blurred, it's hard to work out what on earth a man is supposed to be. My brother-in-law has just become a father. And so there he's got all the fun challenges, and he was very excited because he got a, he got a son. But I, I, I actually think that a man, a man is doubly blessed if he gets a daughter. But there's, there's challenges. There's working out, what can I do, what can't I do? And in a world where the line is blurred, it's, it's hard to sort of work out what you can and what you can't do. What is acceptable, what is ex- not acceptable? I don't want my daughter to become a, a tomboy, but at the same time she has to learn to be who she is. At the moment she's, this, she's, a, she's a ballerina, a little girl, she's a princess, but at the same time you don't want to mess with her too because she can pin her brother. It's fun because they, they wrestle too. Right? They wrestle on our bed. And they play and they muck around. There'll become a time when she will distinguish herself from that and move into a bit more of the feminine stuff. But it's important that she, they even learn how to deal with each other, male and female. But today we're going to be talking about manhood. Because manhood is an extremely important, with, important role within the home. You take manhood out, you take men out of their roles and you can break up a home. And there are distinguishing factors that happen after that happens that actually breaks down. Do you know that if you reach a man, that if, you're, if you reach one man, there is a 90% chance that the rest of the family will come to know Jesus. 90% chance. If you reach the mother that drops down to 20%. That's the distinguishing factor. That's how much influence a husband or a father has within the home. 90% chance that if you reach the husband for Jesus, if he get him saved, he will actually bring in the rest of his family. There's a 90% chance of that. As soon as you take a father out of the home, things change. And like I said, there is no condemnation. If, if these things have transpired, you just need to understand that Jesus can still be, uh, that, sorry, God can still be your father. 
And this is why we obviously need to have a community because the community is there, or a tribe is there to raise children. And wherever you lack, we can actually make up. I've had the privilege of being a children's pastor. I did it for over two years. And I saw many children that didn't have fathers. We were involved with those kids and I spent time with them. You know, we went out to the parks and kicked balls and did all those fun things that dads do, right? We talked about certain things. But there is a clear factor in the face, right? You start taking out the father out of the home. The father becomes absent. The father doesn't become involved with these kids. You start breaking neck a heck of a lot more than just a role. Statistics tell us that children who grow up with fathers' homes or absentee fathers go one of two ways. They become extremely aggressive or they become extremely feminine. And it's because of what takes place that they don't understand where the balance is and that's what we, our role is. See, our role is not just there to be a father and bring, in the, bring home the, the money. It's not just there to be the disciplinarian. It's actually there to bring balance. Throughout the Bible, you're going to read something that talks about a balanced scale. That's why in a family, God has actually designed it where there is a father and there is a mother. And they are a completely different sex. Because they produce a balance within the home. I need my wife because she is what I am not. And I am what she is not. But as soon as you start to break down these little things, and they might only seem little things, you start to break down society. If you look at our society at the moment, the statistics are actually kind of scary. The 60% of all marriages end in divorce. Right? 60%, and that's including inside the church. That's really alarming. And some of those, results, some of those numbers can actually be a little bit higher, depending on which results you, you're looking after. But normally it's about 50 to 60%. That means that 50 to 60% of all kids are uh, growing up with um, split homes. Now, all you have to do is look in with society, and you can start to see what happens, right? And you start to see the breakdown within homes, the undisciplinarians, you see these kids going wild. If you ever had to, to work with wild kids, we have a couple of people who are involved within in the children's workplace, uh, in schools and whatever, you can start to see that families that are unbalanced, the kids become unbalanced. We used to be able to do this thing, we used to be able to look at kids and work out what's going on in the home just by watching how the kids are responding. I used to be able to go to kid, uh, church and, and, and look after the kids and I used to be able to look at them and say, okay, there's something going on in that home. And you'd make a phone call and do a visit and you'd find out very quickly that there was something wrong. Either the father was not at home or they were, the parents were separated. And these start little things or the, or the father was away at work or, or these things. These sort of factors play dividends in, in kids' lives. Society has now become, if you haven't worked it out, society has now become exactly what we have deemed it to be by the decisions that we've made 10 years ago. The decisions we make now will actually affect 10 years' time. Our lack of values and morals will actually determine what happens in 10 years' time. 
The fact that fathers don't have to be at home, the fact that there's a lot of women out there who are desperately trying to find a male affection and they now have multiple kids to multiple parents, this has become normal in society. In different parts of the country, it's, it's worse. But because the mother is trying to find affection, she doesn't know how to show her children how to find affection. And so the kids are obviously looking out for attention and affection. And they'll find it in whatever they possibly can. What is the next thing that's going to give me joy? If you want to know where addictions come from, addictions are rooted in inadequacies. I, I watched a movie the other day. And it was this, 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 this very famous person and he was, he was deep in drugs, alcohols. But you could see it because they, they actually did a really good job because they go back to his childhood and show the inadequacies of his own father in his life. That his father couldn't show him love and affection. His, his father didn't affirm him as a man. And so he started looking for the same feelings wherever he could. We are a product of our own decisions. But our children are the product of their own decisions. Our biggest problem right now is fatherless children. Fatherless children. Our, our children won't know how to become men if we don't teach them. Our children won't know what it's like to be a man if we don't guide them. We always become who we call our heroes. Manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. That means to be a man is to be like Christ. Christ, when he came to this earth, set the perfect example. He was both tough and he was both tender. He was tough to those he needed to be. He whooped them into place when he had to deal with the Pharisees and their religious spirits. But he was tender to the sinner. When Mary came and she was crying and weeping and cleaning his feet, that means nothing to us unless you understand the context. They wore sandals and got dusty. The camels and the donkeys just went wherever they wanted to go. So when she was cleaning his feet with her hair and her tears, she was cleaning off all the different manures that he had walked through, the dust, the sweat and everything else that he had walked through. But he had both a tough and a tender side. He was tough where he needed to be and tender where he had to be. He was tough to the religious and tender to the, to the sinner. But he set an example for each one of us. Now it's funny because Ephesians 5, 22 to 26, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Now sometimes husbands like to claim that one and go no further. For the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be of their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. I just want to read that bit again. Right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
Husbands, your job is to be like Christ. In that Christ died for the church, we are also supposed to. That doesn't mean that when we go home, we're supposed to be able to a cross and get someone to use a nail gun and, and pin us to the cross. But that does mean that we have to live a, a crucified life. We crucify, we put aside, we put our own desires and put our wives first. It's been an interesting journey being married. I have loved my, my wife and I have found times where I have not even liked her. But every single time through the journey of it all, I have learnt more about who I am supposed to be. God has... Look, the truth of it is I didn't have the best example. Okay? Um, my father was a great father up until about nine. And when I was about nine, he became very absent. And he had inadequacies and um, insecurities in his own life that he, he tried to deal with with certain means. Okay? Uh, and he became very absent. By the time I was 17, he was out of the house. Um, and so I had to discover all the little things by myself. The things that most of us have probably taken for granted, like how to shave. See, I still haven't got it right. <laughs> but it's the little things. Learning how to shave. Learning how to go out on dates. Learning how to treat women. I, I missed out on so, on so many different things that my father never took me to. My father never really uh, took me to sporting games. My father didn't... He, we, my father didn't even teach me how to drive. There were things that I missed out on in my life. Now, I'm not here for a sob story and I'm not here for your sympathy or, your, or anything else that comes with it. But these are the things that I had to learn. These are the things that I had to, um, to cope with. And the inadequacies of him were very quickly passed on to me. Plus all my other inadequacies. And so what, it, what naturally happened in, in his inability to make a, a stand and to be steadfast in what he should have been and, and to take, and look, he took the easy way out, he left, was I then had to learn all, and I'm still learning, all of his inadequacies as well as mine. I taught myself to shave. And I didn't stick little bits of paper, I just stuck toilet rolls. Well, I taught myself, well, my mama helped me too. She was, she was a great mother. And so when it came time for me to be a, son, be a father, it was actually quite a daunting task to even think that I was, I was going to be somewhat responsible for a child. And, and not only did we get one, we got two at once. But what I had to do before then was I had to go learn. See, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do was because my father was unable, it didn't give me an excuse to fill the same shoes. I refused to follow his example of being a bad father. I chose to accept when he was a good father, but I, sorry, I refused to accept his example of how to be a bad father. So I went and found men. I went and found men and I listened to them. 
I went and found the different men and taught me different things. And God blessed me with different men in my life that have spoken into my life, who've taught me different things, who've challenged me. Um, I, I have a, a spiritual father that uh, challenges me on a regular basis and drives me to be better than, than who I am. And at no point in time do I use my upbringing as an excuse to stand still. Because it's not. And I refuse to let my children experience the same problems that I have. I refuse to let my children go through what I went through. So I've already told my wife, I said, you cannot get rid of me, I'm sorry. Um, Even if you want to, I will become a stalker. Um, (laughs) You joke, but this, this, this is the role I accepted. I chose to stand with my wife and I chose to be her husband and I chose to have children. They are my children. And I refuse to allow them to go through what I went through. Now, we have a church family. And you can be a part of it or you can be absent. You can do whatever you want. You can, your level of connection or involvement is up to you. That's the beautiful thing about the church. But make no mistake, if I see you out of line, I will correct you. If I see you doing something that is not acceptable, I will correct you. Why? Because that is the responsibility I have taken. I'm a father to my children, but I'm a father to the fatherless. I have corrected children to their parents' disgust um, and told them they shouldn't be doing those certain things. I'm not there to hurt them, I'm there to help you. It is a role I have accepted. It's just the challenge that I have accepted. I have talked to other people. I've talked to adults. I've said, you need to fix this and you need to work things out. You need to solve things. I do it in certain different ways. Sometimes I can be more blunt with other people. But this is a church. And as church, we get different mix of people. We're going to get people that come from fatherless homes. We get divorcees, single mums, and we get kids coming all from different directions. And they need fathers. You may say, well, I already have my children. Yes, but that's very, very minimised. You have the ability to be a father within a community. And we can all stand up. I had the great joy of watching, uh, actually, Ian, you were teaching my son to kick the ball. It was going back a few months. A few months, a couple of months. I didn't run out there and go, no, that's my job, I should do that. I took great joy in the fact that Ian was having a great time kicking the ball with him. Right? But it's the little things. Learning from different men. It's important that children, children learn from different people. It's important that they learn different ways of doing things. Right? Because at some point in time they get to then distinguish how they choose to do something. If you didn't know, I'm a chef by trade before I gave it all up, right? And I was, I, I, took, I actually enjoyed working in different places. The longest place I ever worked at was about nine months um, before I became the pastor. And I would travel around to different places and I would learn the ways that they would do it and then I'd go, all right, time to move on and go to a different restaurant. And then I would work out how the way I preferred to do it based upon hearing different ways, seeing different ways, 
experiencing different ways and then working out what way I thought was best. Our children develop better yeah, develop better by listening to different ways of doing things. And it's important that we all speak into different children. I take a great joy when I watch men and women in this church dealing with, talking to different children, children that aren't even their own, but experiencing different adults. I love watching the fact that somebody can tell someone else off. You may see, I, I, I take it as great joy. It's healthy. Right? Children are actually supposed to learn what it means to respect an adult. We've taught our children right, that they are always supposed to respect adults. There will come times when you can say no to an adult. Right? You don't always have to say yes. That's a dangerous place to be in. But it's important that a child can actually say no to an adult, but obviously in the right frame. We taught our kids very early on that uh, there are certain things that adults are not allowed to ask you to do. And at that point in time, you're allowed to make as much noise as you want, yell at it, scream it from the top, say no, 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 no. It's important. But there are other times that if an adult tells you don't do that, that you are to listen. It's healthy. The picture of true manhood is found in the Bible. It's found in Christ. And like everything, if you get a manual and don't listen to it, you can't get up anyone for when it doesn't turn out. I always said that if I, if I ever do a job interview, I'm going to go down to Ikea and I'm going to buy a flat pack. And in that interview, you have to put it together. If you can hold, if you can hold some sort of mentality through it, where you don't get ex- very angry and throw something through something, then you've got the job. <laughs> Either that or one of these small little tables. <laughs> but manhood is important to understand that you need, as a, as a man, you need to know how to be a man. It's not passed down from father to son to father to son like it used to be. The New Te- so the Old Testament, the first five books, were written by Moses. But Moses wasn't around when they existed. In the context that when Genesis actually took place, Moses wasn't around. But they would, they would sit around the campfires and they would tell the stories of what happened in Adam and Eve. They would tell the stories of what happened with Abraham. And Moses decided to write them down. Because someone, his father, actually had told him. That's what happened. But it's not happening anymore. Fathers don't relay the same stories down to their kids anymore. We don't spend time and say, hey, this is what happened. My kids love hearing the stories of me and my wife, how we met at our wedding. They love looking at the pictures. Mel loves taking photos. I don't like taking photos, but she takes photos and the kids love looking at them. The kids love experiencing the world and how we met, the important things in our lives. They love listening or we've taken to the, to the houses that we've lived in because they love to hear the stories. You may say, what, what does that have to do? Well, it has everything to do with faith. This is our journey. 
and they can get to experience what we've been through. They get to experience the stories, the highs and the lows. We've told them, you know, that we could only afford this little house. Now they, they live in what we have and we like to tell them that, you know, when we were kids, we had this tiny little TV. You know, and you either had one of those dial knobs where it makes a real annoying, like, click, click. But you only had, like, what, three channels. And when nothing was on, you would get this, this funny picture, the circle with all the different colours on it, right? Nowadays, they have Netflix, Stan, Optus TV, Foxtel, all the different things. Plus, you've got Free to Air, which has got, like, 20 channels on now. And, and you know what? There's still nothing on. Um, But they, they don't get to see it unless you tell them. We tell them the stories of, of you know, tape recorders when we would get this little tape recorder and you could record yourself and then play it back. You know? or, or when the, the tape recorder decided to eat the tape and you'd have to sit there with a pencil and wind it back on. Or we go back to you know, VCRs. What? Right? Or even DVDs nowadays. Blu-ray players. Or if you're from a different era, vinyl. Right? They don't get to experience this unless you tell them. They don't get to hear the stories of faith unless you tell them. They don't get to experience your journey unless you tell them. They don't get to hear what God's done unless you tell them. We tell them. Right? That's what we do in kids' church. Kids' church isn't some babysitting club. They draw colored pictures and stuff. They learn. Our kids have Bibles. And they're still in, still in the early stages of reading. But they read. We taught them how to pray, and they pray. At dinner time at our table, they, they pray, and they thank God for dinner. Right? I'll never forget, Zeph went on a diabetes camp. And, and it was last year. And they were having dinner and he stopped everyone. He stopped everyone at, at dinner time and said, we haven't said grace. And so he prayed. And everyone stopped. He said grace and then they got to eat. He doesn't get that unless we teach that. So will you think, take might, sorry, will you might take something for granted? It's important. They want to know what you've been through. Right? We have the Bible because someone wrote it. We have the stories of what Jesus did and what God did because someone wrote it down. That's what the Bible is. Right? It's God relating to men, men and women, okay? in different forms. It's the stories of God actually dealing with people. It's the stories of where, how God wants to express himself. And that's why we're supposed to read it. That's why we're supposed to spend time in it, because by spending time in it, I get to know how, who God is. I get to see how God relates to people. What he did in the past, he'll do in the future. That's why the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he can part the waters like he did in the Red Sea, he can part the waters for you. If he can bring, bring water from a rock, if you smack it, he can do it again. Our kids need to know 
who God is. Our kids need to know all the different experiences. They need to understand faith. But they, can't, they won't get it until later down the track unless you have it. Because you can't give something you don't have. So it all depends on your level of faith, your level of relationship. That's what fatherhood is. It's about taking your kids aside and teaching them. There's been many a times when I've actually had to take one of them aside and I've had to talk to them and say, hey, what's going on? Where are you at? There's been times when I've, I've, I've rattled my head going, what on earth is taking place here? And all of a sudden God speaks to me. And I get to speak to my, my son and my daughter. And I get to deal with something. There's been times that God's spoken to me about the weirdest things. And I've taken one of them aside. And I've nailed exactly what it is. Not because I'm some fandangle father. Right? I fail more than you think. But because I have sought God. I have gone to my father. right? Because where I lack, he doesn't. In what I lacked in the physical, I, I don't lack in the spiritual unless I separate myself from him. And I've been able to be a better father because of what he's taught me. And because my relationship with God has built up my relationship with my son and my daughter. And I hope it's made me a better father or a better husband. But it's important that I teach them it's not my wife's role. It's my role. I take responsibility. I'm not passing on, oh, it's right. They'll do it. They'll do it. Because right? that's what happens. As far as we can, oh, yeah, it'll be right. I'll be right. I'll be right. I'll be right. Uh, manhood, manhood is taking responsibility. And I say, no, no, it, the buck stops with me. Because that's what I did. See, when I got saved, I decided. And my kids, my future kids, at the point I didn't have any, and my future wife would never have to go through what I went through. I was never going to take the easy way out. That was just a decision that I made. And then I was going to do everything I possibly could to get more information than what I was given, more lessons, more understanding of what I was given to be a better father and to be a better husband. But it takes someone to go, you know what? The buck stops here. No longer will it be passed down my generation. No longer will my kids have to deal with what I have to deal with. The buck stops here. And now we can pass it on. You can decide. It's, it's, my kids can deal with it. right? Because that's the sin of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a rich Israel king. And he showed, this is, it's ironic, but he showed the enemy the wealth of Israel. And someone questioned him, he says, oh yeah, but as long as it doesn't happen in my time, as long as it doesn't happen to me, I don't have to worry about it. My kids will deal with it. The buck stops here. It's your role. It's your job. It's your role to, take, to teach your children. I, I take... Um, I've always, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
I always have a special place in my heart for any man who can take on someone else's children as their own. But as, as fathers and as men, it's important that we do it within the house. It's the little things. It's just the little things. You don't have to take them to soccer every weekend or take them to school every week. It's the little things. It can be the simple fact of standing up and being a man. You know, I, I take great joy. My, my, my little boy is learning how to do the words on the computer. And they, he was talking, to, he, he said multiple times to Chris, because Chris helps us out and does a fantastic job on the words, right? So we all know what's going on in the singing. And uh, we were talking, he says, well, you can't do it every week, you've got to learn how to, to share. He goes, okay, I'll share with Chris. He can do it one week and I'll do it this way week, right? And I sit down with him and we go through it. And I help him, I say, you've got to follow the words. All right, now you change, and now you change, and now you change, and now you change. It's the guidance, it's the direction, right? It's the little things. It's helping the kids to do the little things that make such a big difference. Because you don't know where they've been, who they're going through, what they're, what's happening within their home. You don't know where their fathers are, what they're doing. And this is not about being judgmental or being condemned. This is not about going back and saying, hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, right? If someone chooses not to, well, this is the great opportunity for you to choose to stand up and be where, where they aren't. As men, we have this supernatural ability. It is an anointing by God. It seriously is. To speak life into children. Your words can cripple a child just as fast as your words can build up a child. I, have, I've, I saw it very early on with Charlotte. By not even meaning to, I, I had the ability to crush her but I also had the ability to build her up now it takes a change because I had the change I have to change how I deal with Charlotte Zeph I can just boom Charlotte no I can't do it like that but as a father I had to change the way I saw things see that's why you need a wife and I went to my wife and said hey what am I doing wrong and she was like very nice and said, you, you can't do it that way. She won't respond like that. Like, that's why I have a wife. That's why we, I'm, I'm a very blessed man. But it comes down to the fact that someone has to say, you know what, it stops here. This is where it stops. Now, your kids have made something for Father's Day. Right? Just something very simple. And we have this awesome morning tea for Father's Day. Do something different. Instead of buying you a gift, um, a small little gift that you would uh, stick into a drawer and never see again, in the three months' time have to chuck it out, we, uh, we brought food. Yeah. And all the men said, amen. We didn't get quite, we didn't quite get all, we didn't get steak. All right, we got the next best thing. Uh, a cupcake that looks like it. So, uh, <laughs> well, we're going to pray. We're going to finish up uh, and then we'll have morning tea together and tea and coffee. <coughs> this is not meant to condemn you. This is not meant to do anything like that or bring any judgment upon you. Okay? Um, 
There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. But this is, this is a call for men to rise up. Actually, men, do you, want to, do you just want to all stand up and I'll pray for each one of us? Man, if you're a man, you need to stand. All right. Father, right now I just pray over every man in this church or those who are here in place of them. And Father, right now I just speak right now to their very spirits and I speak an anointing upon them. I speak a greater revelation of their importance and their role. That the Father, they won't feel inadequate, but Father, they will feel encouraged to stand. They will feel encouraged to be all that they can be. And know that their Heavenly Father loves them greater than their own understanding. Father, we speak the understanding of Christ-likeness upon each one of our husbands, upon each one of our fathers, upon each one of our men in this house. Father, we speak a blessing upon each one of, home, each one of the homes. We speak a blessing upon the children that, Father, the buck will stop here. We just declare your blessings and your favour upon each one of us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.